1989, a movie came out with Tom Hanks playing a character named Ray Peterson. The movie was called The Burbs. So one day, a family moves in next to this guy, Ray Peterson, and he begins spending his time peering through the blinds, increasingly paranoid and suspicious, convinced that this new family on the block is part of a murderous satanic cult. I can sometimes be a little bit like Ray Peterson. I find myself peering through the blinds, just watching the goings-on, sometimes making a big deal out of insignificant things because, hey, it's the burbs. Isn't that just what you do? Well, one day, a while back, across our street, a small one-story house went up for sale, which is always news in the burbs. Time passed, and eventually, somebody bought it. Who was it, we wondered. So we went and we investigated, as nosy neighbors do, and we learned that whoever bought it would not be moving in. They planned to flip it. Yay. So flip it they did. The construction vehicles rolled in, blocking driveways and waking babies from naps. Knock down a wall here, throw up some paint there, bada bing, bada boom. Several months later, flip complete. So each day, we watched through the windows in the way only nosy neighbors can, like we didn't have anything better to do. I hope whoever buys it pays for a good home inspection, we'd say. I hope whoever buys it has kids the same age as ours, we'd say. Meanwhile, an older couple down the street passes by on their walk. I hope whoever buys it pays for a good home inspection, they'd say. I hope whoever buys it doesn't have kids, they'd say. Because, hey, it's the Burbs. Well, one day, the for sale sign came down, and the moving trucks rolled in, and we had ourselves some new neighbors. Were they cool? Did they like to leave vehicles on cinder blocks on their front lawn? Did they have kids who could be friends with our kids? Or were they? Were they a part of a murderous, satanic cult? From Back to the Breath Media, I'm Mike Cavanaugh, and this is Voices, a show that's about bringing you personal stories of real people who bring a city to life. I think everybody reads about, like, or has read about when someone has, like, like they, they have the vision, like, oh, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to be, you know? Um, and I had that. I remember when that happened and where I was and what I was and what I thought. But the funny part about that is that it wasn't like, that's what I'm going to do with my life. It's like, I thought to myself, well, this is all that matters. So everything I do will be in service of this. This is Gordon Tebow. He and his family eventually bought the house across the street from us after it changed hands a couple times and proceeded to do a ton of work on it to turn it into a beautiful home for themselves, thereby preventing any cults from occupying it and returning peace, order, and better home values to our block. And what he was just talking about, the thing he said that's all that matters, that everything else would be in service of, is music. Can you play me something? Crossing this bridge for years And every day 
religion disappears And nothing's holding me up no more Yeah, I keep walking This is one of the coolest things about community. The incredible talents and stories and people hiding in plain sight, including in your own backyard, so to speak. And most people's circle of connection drops off beyond this very small radius of a few houses or of a block. So imagine what amazing hidden gem might be living just a few doors down from that. So when did this all start for you? When was the earliest discovery of this talent that you have? So my mom is a piano teacher and she's been teaching piano since I think 1972. And then, uh, you know, when I was born in 79, uh, she was still teaching and basically she just kept uh, me in some sort of bassinet on top of the piano and taught. And uh, I stayed there until I could walk and then I would... Uh, I would just kind of uh, make my way around the house still listening to her teach piano. And I subconsciously and consciously heard pretty much everything one could imagine a piano teacher would teach. And then uh, my father uh, coached basketball and he taught at the high school. And between coaching and, and teaching, he would come home and just watch TV. And I would watch with him. And one of the shows that he loved was, was uh, Hill Street Blues. And uh, my mom realized that I had an ear when I sat down when I was, I guess, four years old and and played it by ear on the piano. And uh, I think that's what kind of got her excited. So as you got a little older, at some point along the way, you had this vision that you mentioned to me, that music was, that everything was in service of that. Was your plan to be a professional musician? I think at that time I knew the, the road ahead would be just like, for me, for me, it would be hard to just do that as a living because it's just, it was partially not what I felt I was interested in. It's the difference between, for me, is the difference between like, this is all I want to do and I don't care about anything else. And there's like, I, the, everything I'm doing serves this, but I'm interested in all these other things too. Gordon had that knowledge about himself, yet, like many of us discover, and especially at certain times of our lives, There's a difference between having that self-awareness and the choices that we end up making in how we live our lives. So what happened? You know, at that age, you don't know anything, really. You you kind of need, it's like your part of you knows everything. Like, like, you know, like part of you maybe does kind of connect with the rest of the universe, like maybe 1%. And so like that 1%, you kind of just got to really hold on to like, all right, I'm just trusting that whatever I do is going to help, right? Um, but the rest of the United States, 99% of you is just trying to like hijack your brain most of the time. So like I did try to like go to school for music and, and try to do that full time. I did like move, <laughs> move like randomly to, a, to Madison, Wisconsin to join a band, start, start that, live with my band. Tell me about that experience. So when we moved in, it was just the four of us and we moved into this uh, grocery store from the forties that had been abandoned up until the moment. I think we moved into it. Um, someone had begun to rehabilitate it and, we, and, and, and we decided that it would be cool to move in there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it was awesome. It was like this huge, uh, front room that was, um, I want to say maybe like, like eight or 900 square feet. 
and and it, and it also had the kitchen, but it's like this big room. And then the back where these added on um, parts of this store, which actually had a second floor and a spiral staircase and two rooms in the upstairs and two rooms in the, on the, on the first floor and two bathrooms. I mean, had a cult found at first, it would have been more appropriate for them. <laughs> um, and so we moved in and uh, you know, from the first, like after the first month, like after the honeymoon phase, we all just wanted to kill each other. Like I, I, I couldn't understand how people could live certain ways. All I knew was how I grew up. Right. But there would be times when like, like I, I was, I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm just an introvert and I like to go to sleep at like a normal time. Um, these are not the people you want to live with. <laughs> and I had uh, bought this uh, record specifically because I knew it would allow me to sleep. It was uh, uh, Kurt Rolski's Kyrie Eleison. It was a CD and it had, it lasted like an hour. And it was like this whirring ambient, like thrash of sound. And I would just play it at like level 11 so I could not hear anything but that and fall asleep. And I did that like almost every night. So that that's how it went. <laughs> lots of lots of funny stories from that, like uh, uh, you know, dishwashing. Didn't right. think it was controversial. <laughs> Obviously, looking back, like yeah, of course they're not. Nobody's gonna wash your dishes. But when you're like like 19, you're like, why isn't anybody washing dishes? <laughs> so in the end, in Gordon's case, the truth won out. His self truth, that is, that music would always be a huge part of his life but that he didn't have an interest in trying to make that what he did for a living. How did you ultimately come to that? Like what, when or what was the recognition? I think it's really hard to, for me to write music and that's all I do. I feel like so much has to pour into it where that you go to write music as a form of uh, coping or, or dealing or expressing of what, of what everything else that's going on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm much more aware of this now than I ever have been. And I think it was like a few years ago when I discovered a, a poet, uh, named Wallace Stevens. And, um, you know, I, I had discovered him because of the, because of his poetry and I started really getting into it. And then I started reading about him and then he like, he became my current hero because he, uh, um, and again, let me just preface like in this, I don't know much about Wall Stevens, but the one thing I do know is that he basically worked at a bank and was like an executive and that's what he did all day. And on his way to work, he wrote poetry. And I thought to myself, that is more along the lines of how I roll than anything else is. I need everything else. I need the chaos around me in order to create, um, something that is, that has, um, I guess form. So Gordon has been living his own personal version of this Wallace Stevens path with a family, working at a big tech company, leading a software team, and just living life as a member of the community. But over all these years, he's been steadily writing and releasing music. I asked him the story behind one of his more recent albums called Spirit Jewels, the album with the song that you heard earlier. About four years ago, um, I had been struggling with some pretty intense anxiety. And then with everything that's happened in the past four years in the world, it, there was no shortage of reasons to question everything. And someone who I was um, 
talking with him was kind of trying to help me through it. You know, asked me if I was spiritual, and I and I, <laughs> I laughed because <laughs> I I at that point in my life I had come to think of myself as a, effectively non spiritual, non religious. In fact, my anthem at the time was this uh, this this later era violent femmes song called uh, Nothing, which is like. I'm nothing. Like the song is called, I'm not basically everybody thinks I'm this and that, but actually I'm just nothing. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like he's nothing. That's I like that. You know? And so I, I then I thought about it. And then the, that person had suggested that spirituality and religion can just be two separate things. And, um, and they got me up thinking. And then I was asked like, well, you, you know, maybe you can like explore that and like your music. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, oh, come on, this is, this is too easy. Like, it's such an easy thing to say, you know? Then I'm like, oh, my God, that's a great idea for an album. And the song you played? So I wrote the lyric first, which is very odd. The, the idea struck me about, like the, like, the thing that defines life in general is the fact that it keeps going. No matter, like, and everything has been thrown at it. You know, since like the beginning of time, like everything has been thrown at life to keep it from to stop happening and it keeps going. And I and I think to myself that 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 means something, you know, pretty significant and profound to me. And I just I felt like I was I was capturing that in the lyric I was writing and I just kept extending that. And and then it just kind of came together and I just wrote it and I just wrote the lyrics and I just then I recorded it and then I was done, (laughs) you know. In fact, that recording is a demo. Life as a whole does keep going, but there are many things in life that, try as we might to keep them going, we struggle. Habits, relationships, and even many of our most significant passions. This is especially true when you're juggling a full-time job and a family, and you have the desire to give the various aspects of your life the attention that you want to give them. I asked Gordon about this. How it is that he keeps himself going with his music passion, whether it's through the inevitable times of low motivation or busyness, or it's through the creative droughts that are bound to confront anyone who's trying to create something or to make art. Anytime you can unsettle yourself is when you start to reconnect back with the thing that you like the most. And if you're, you know, your art um, just keep it as general as that. Um, you know, I think in uh, Mike, in your, in your book, you, you, had, you had mentioned some different ways of kind of doing that, right? Um, there have been enough times in my life where, like, I have I have either intentionally unsettled myself, or or life has had unsettled me, and and I had to reconnect with the thing that I need. It's so like you know, just you know, um, for me, most recently, like having a child um and then and then like that shift that changes everything it changes your whole environment how you see everything how like before you're just like yeah whatever happens happens now you're like now i'm like oh my gosh i hope that never happens <laughs> you know and 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 so um it, you have to refocus and so i think it could just be as simple as doing something you wouldn't normally do and i will give one example um i had written a lyric called find a threshold to cross every day and I think it kind of gets to this. And <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm going to live up to this lyric I wrote. So when I was on vacation last year and we went to northern Michigan and I went swimming in Lake Michigan and I saw a buoy. I'm like, I'm going to swim out to that buoy. 
And I swim out there. I'm like, all right, I did. I, I'm like, I, I crossed that threshold. I would never do that. I, would, I did that, you know. And then I looked back at the beach and I'm like, oh, that that wasn't the threshold. This is the threshold. Because I literally, my anxiety, like gripped me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can swim back. I was tired. And so I just, I just, I had everything in me. I swam back, but like the, the waves were intense. And I just, it was like, I couldn't believe I made it back to, back, back there, you know. And I just felt like happy again for like life. And, uh, and so that was kind of unsettling. And then I was able to like finish that song. Like I knew how to finish that song. Like just something as simple as that, though terrifying, I think is important. You have to put yourself in these things that you wouldn't normally do in order to connect back with the art. Gordon has definitely lived by his words. And even when he's had to scale back his music writing and producing to make space for all his other priorities, he still managed to keep the engine going. In fact, he recently released a single called My New Shoes. So I've often struggled with times where my passions and the things that I feel most called to do, they're kind of sequestered to these little slivers of free time on the side. And because they're such a core part of who I am, it's almost like when I'm spending so much time doing something else for work or what have you, it's like a little bit of a struggle for me at the level of identity, if that makes sense. What are your thoughts on that? So after I, after I left um, that uh, living situation with my band, you know, a few years after that, I, I um, went, to, went back to school and I went to, uh, uh, I went to go study art and, and specifically sound art. And when one of the classes that I took, the first classes, it was kind of a general art class. It was like the first week of the first semester for, you know, first year. Um, and we had this project and, uh, and this woman who was in, in the class with me also, again, we're just first students. Someone had said to her basically that, uh, well, you know, I really like, I, I really like your photo that you did. So what do you think you're going to do once you finally become an artist? And, and she had said, like, I am an artist. And, and like, this might sound just like, yeah, of course, you know, someone would say this in art school. But like, this was like a weird thought for me because like, I, I'm going to school to become an artist. And this person on the very first week is like, I am an artist. And, you know, and to me, it was like, wow, that's, that's hmm. And I, so I guess the main takeaway I would say is like, whatever you're doing now, that is what you're like, that is the art. Like you're doing it. Maybe it's not to the caliber or, or to the, like, where you want it to go. But if you don't think of yourself as an artist now, you like now, then you never, ever will. And that, I still think about that all the time. Like, I am like, I'm an artist. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I'm not going to be one. I am one. And I think that's really powerful and empowering. And I think, I think more people thought that way, they would, they would find that, like, that's what they, that, that is who they are. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to see it continue beyond the short pilot season, the best way to keep it going is to help spread the word by telling your friends and family about it. Also, I'm still gathering stories for the show. If you have an idea or you yourself have a story you think would be a good fit, you can email me at mike at voicesofparkridge.org or visit voicesofparkridge.org to learn more and for all their information about the show, including links to social and more. And as always, thank you for listening. I've outgrown all my clothes They no longer seem to keep me whole And now it's me coming upon the seams And I keep walking And I don't think that I can stop Even when the ceiling drops And all my fears are my worst best I guess it's good to live Couple regrets. Good to live life with a couple regrets. Good to live life with a couple regrets. Good to live life with a couple regrets. Keep the fire burning while you take each step. Keep the fire burning while you take each step. Never turn around, never give up on me. Cause just a little love is all I need to keep going. Shadow we see as we are